gracious God and our most loving Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask now that you would come, that you would send your Holy Spirit who walks amongst us, who dwells within us, and that you would entreat our hearts to truth. You would incline our ears to your voice. And Father, I pray that this um, dumb ox of a man would stand aside and you would speak in spite of him. And Lord, that today we would leave changed, knowing maybe just a little more of you and your grace and your love. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome back. It's nice to see so many of you. Nice to see Nice to see some friends from the past too, and those online as well. Thank you for your prayers. I don't have COVID, thank God. Um, but I appreciate your prayers and uh, another test done. We're back in our series, as Warren said earlier, of the I Am Sayings of Jesus, seven of which are in the New Testament. If I can be bold, a couple are in the Old, but you'll have to wait for those. And we've done two so far. We've done I Am the Way, the Truth and the Life, and I Am the Light of the World. And today, if you're listening attentively, you'll get two for one. The two for one deal, I Am the Door and I am the Good Shepherd. The I am sayings, as we must remember, are an expression that Jesus is deliberately using of his godness. He's saying, I am God. Every time he says, I am, he's saying, the always existing one. The one that doesn't depend on anyone else to exist. I am God. And so he adds things. I am the light of the world. And this reveals more about the God that he is. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. I am the resurrection. We learn more about him by these I am sayings. And make no mistake, the Jews knew what he was saying. Every time he said it, they wanted to reach for a stone to stone him to death because for them it was blasphemy. I am God. Today's I am, we're going to need to just enter a little bit more into first century Israel. I want you to imagine for a second that you're back in first century Israel, because sheep and shepherds are a really important part of life, an important part of the economy of Israel back then. If you had sheep, then you had a livelihood, and many people had sheep. When I say many people had sheep, not necessarily like Abraham, if we go right the way back, thousands of them, but you might have just had a few. And if you were born into a family that had sheep, and particularly if you were a son, you would be a shepherd. That was your vocation. And your job as a shepherd, and it might be with your brothers, you might think of someone like David, who became a king was a shepherd and his brothers were shepherds and your job is to frankly just look after the sheep and what does that mean well that means that you want to keep them safe you want to make sure they're secure that you don't lose any that they're fed well that they're watered well because sheep are important for meat they're important for wool i.e clothing and they're also important as a currency. Sheep are traded for things. They're a kind of money, if you will. They grow. There are more sheep. 
hopefully each year. And because of that, they were quite often stolen. They were quite often killed and eaten by others, slaughtered, and sheep were scattered when things like that happened. So have that mind in you as we go through to this morning's text and consider how you would shepherd in this model. Protection, good food, good water, security, able to come and go as you pleased, knowing there was a shepherd that looked after you. Why is Jesus telling us this story? Why is he telling the first century Jews this story? Well, the Old Testament also carries this idea, this concept, that Israel are sheep. And that God has sent shepherds again and again and again to Israel in the form of priests, in the form of kings. And their job was to do just that, to lead to bring protection and security, to feed spiritually the people of God. But the people of God didn't do that. The Levites, the priests, and the kings abandoned their charge again and again. They left the sheep to fend for themselves. I don't want you to think that first century Israel is some kind of religious excellence it's barren religiously, spiritually barren, because the kings and the priests had left her somewhat shipwrecked. He's using this picture of shepherding to explain the spiritual reality about Israel. Truly, truly, John 1, John 10, 1, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all of his sheep. He's brought out all of his sheep. He goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Robbers and thieves coming to take the sheep, getting into the sheepfold in a way other than through the door, coming to scatter. Later on we'll hear that they're coming to destroy and to kill. The shepherd, as we hear there, goes through the door. The shepherd has the right to go through the door because it's his sheep. It's his sheepfold. And in first century Israel, it might not just be your sheep that are in that sheepfold. It might be another families and another families that are in there. It's not just yours necessarily. But you see it, don't you? Very quickly, very lightly, there's a relationship right there between the shepherd and the sheep. Firstly, the sheep hear his voice. The shepherd goes in and he calls them by name and they hear his voice. He brings them all out. And he goes before them and leads them. And the sheep, it says there, follow him because they know his voice. 
it's a beautiful model of good shepherding. Protection, real leadership, sustenance, security, real relationship, all at the sound of a shepherd walking into a fold and at the sound of his voice. And it says to us at the end of that section in verse 6 that it's just a figure of speech that Jesus is using. But they didn't understand it. They didn't get it. As I've said, it's a picture of the relationship that the religious leaders were supposed to have with the sheep. The priests and the kings. And they'd done badly. They'd done very badly. They'd failed. And you might not be surprised to know that this was predicted in the Old Testament. It was prophesied. We heard some of the prophecy around the good side of the, the shepherding and the sheep this morning in Isaiah 53. But it's there in Isaiah, all over Isaiah, actually. It's all over Jeremiah. It's in Ezekiel. It's in Zechariah. It's in Malachi. Listen to this, just one excerpt from Jeremiah 23. It says, woe to the shepherds. This is God speaking. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning these shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock and you've driven them away and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds. It's a scary, scary pronouncement. And I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more, nor dismayed. Neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. Do you think the Lord Jesus has got this kind of prophecy in his mind as he tells this story? I don't know if he has. If you read on in Jeremiah there, the very next verse talks about how God will send a branch of the root of Jesse. And he will reign. He'll send a real shepherd, a good shepherd, referring to the Lord. Well, is Jesus just giving these Jews who don't understand a kind of history lesson or perhaps a kind of farming lesson in how to farm sheep well? Trying to kind of improve the shepherding that's going on. Well, no, we know that it's a spiritual thing. So they don't understand. So what does he do? Well, he puts himself in the narrative. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. They don't get it. So he places himself in this picture, in this story. Israel needs a better door. Israel needs a better shepherd. Verse 7, so Jesus said again to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me, they're just thieves. They're robbers. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and will find pasture. The thief, well, he only comes to steal 
to kill and to destroy. But I came that they may have life, that they may have it abundantly. So Jesus puts himself in and he says, I am God, the door. I am literally the door. Now we need to understand something about this. And that is that in the first century, it was common that shepherds would sleep in the doorway. Can you imagine why? Well, because that's the way the sheep went in and out, in and out normally. So the concept of being a door is partly that I am the gateway, if you will, that the sheep will come in and out of. I want you to think of a door then as someone that might be perhaps in our modern vernacular, kind of doorman. That's a security person at the front door of a big event who decides who goes in and who comes out. Jesus says, I'm that door. Think of another I am saying, I am the way. Got to go through the door. He says that. Enter through me. Jesus is the one who says who will come out and who will go in. And that's an attribute of being a good shepherd. Everyone else, in contrast, doesn't go through that gate. They climb over the wall or they climb over the fence because they're thieves. They don't want to be seen taking a sheep out because they want it for their own end. They came to steal, to kill and destroy. Think of any big famous uh, despot. Choose one, there are plenty historically tyrannical leader promised so many good things but really they come to kill steal everything and to destroy but Jesus comes so that the sheep can have life and life abundantly now here as Christians we automatically go to well real life in Christ right and that's true but in this context of the shepherd good shepherd what it means is security you will have life i will make sure that you can live and you will have life in a way that is abundant there will be green pastures there will be water to drink that's good in still rivers abundant life you know christians often take that concept and comment on the things that god gives us the material things that god gives us but if you're a Christian today, you have life. There is a shepherd who is the door that you have gone through who lets you live, to have real life. And you will have everything you need for life, for living now and eternally. The shepherd makes sure that they stay alive. Do you want that kind of shepherd? I want that kind of shepherd. I'm just a sheep. That's all you are, with respect. You're just sheep. And Jesus comes to the sheep so that they can have life and life abundantly. Secure, safe, plenty of food, water, protection. All that they need for living. It's a big spiritual picture. Verse 11. Israel needs a better shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, he doesn't, does not own the sheep. When he sees a wolf coming and leaves, 
the sheep, sorry, read that again. He sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand. He doesn't care anything for the sheep. But I, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Do you hear that? I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. The good shepherd protects the sheep. There, even in the cost of his own life. Think back to the king, David, second king. Started life as a shepherd boy. What a life. This is one of the things he says to Saul. Have a listen to this as a shepherd in 1 Samuel 17, 34. He says, your servant was tending his father's sheep. I was tending my father's sheep, he says. When a lion or a bear came and took a sheep from the flock, I went out after it and attacked it. When a lion or a bear came and took a sheep from the flock, I went out and attacked it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it rose up against me, I grabbed it by its mane and struck it and killed it. There's a good shepherd, isn't it? There's not, that's not a hired hand running away. There's a lion coming. And that's what I would do. There's a lion. No, he's got one of the sheep and it's my sheep. So I'm going to get that sheep and I'm going to kill that lion or that bear. But in contrast, the hired hand just sees a wolf coming and runs away. Why? Well, because they're not his sheep. He doesn't care about them. The good shepherd loves his sheep. Did you see it in verse 14? He knows his own and his own know him. He knows the sheep and the sheep know him. And he says, as like the way I know, the Lord knows the father and the father knows Jesus. That's relationship. The sheep and Jesus know each other the way Jesus and the father know each other. Wow. That's incredible. Now you all know as you sit here and you sit online that the Father does know you, that the Lord Jesus does know you. He knows everything about you, doesn't he? He knows every day of your life. He knows where you are right now. He knows every intimate detail of your body, where you're going to get sick, when you're going to die. You don't necessarily know him in the same way yet, but you are knowing him. And the more you hear his voice, this good shepherd, the more you know of him paul says elsewhere in his first corinthians that now we know in a small simple way like through a glass darkly or the reflection of a mirror then we will know as we are known the good shepherd knows his sheep the way the lord knows the father and the father knows jesus and guess what he does lay down his life for the sheep he does go to the bear but he dies he gives his life in the place 
of the sheep. It's cross-shaped, isn't it? It's got the gospel sitting right in the middle of it. Verse 16. There are other sheep. I'll just read that verse again for us. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Who's the Lord referring to? Us. Yeah. You. You're the other sheep. The Gentiles. This isn't just about the people of Israel. This is about the people. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation has sheep in it. And the Lord is going to go and get them. Because he is the good shepherd. He's going to get all of them. Guess what? They respond to his voice. They know his voice. They hear his voice. You heard his voice. The cross made sense by God's grace to you in such a way that it calls you to him because he's the shepherd. He leads. There's one flock. Amen? One flock. And you're in it. There's a lot of controversy about whether it's Israel and the church and so on, but I remember Dave preaching on Ephesians 2 explaining how the wall of hostility between the Gentiles is in a temple between the Gentiles and the Jews have been broken down so that the people of God could be one. I think the Lord's saying the same here. One flock. One shepherd. So what is the Lord saying with all of this? Is he giving us a nice kind of farmer tale? A nice story about how the shepherd well None of us here, I don't think, are shepherds. We do know people at sheep farm. Is that what he's saying? This is how you do it well? Well, we know what he's saying. I want you to hear it again. I want you to understand it again. Don't take for granted what you know. He's talking about the spiritual reality that we have because he's our shepherd, because he is the I am have a listen to this text, as well as the Old Testament talking about how the kings and the priests will desert and give up the sheep and be bad shepherds. It also talks about the Lord being a shepherd. Have a listen to this. I find this just breathtaking. This is uh, the prophet Micah in chapter 5, verse 2. He says, You, O Bethlehem, Epathrath, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me. Isn't that beautiful? For, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler of Israel. Who is he talking about? Who comes out of Bethlehem? Jesus. Whose coming forth is from old. This is God. He didn't just appear. He's always been God. He's the I am. From ancient days. Therefore... He shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Mary. He's talking about Israel as well. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. Listen carefully. And he shall stand and he shall shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. In the strength 
of the I am, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And listen, and they will dwell secure. Because he's a good shepherd. They will dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And he shall be their peace. So very quickly then, what are the implications of this big picture that the Lord is giving the Jews and he's giving to us today? Well, there's one door and there's one shepherd and there's one flock. There are no other options. The world thinks there are lots of doors, right? But there is actually only one. You will come to God whether you like it or not. But if you come through the door, you have peace with God. Just yesterday, I had the opportunity of interacting with one of my neighbors, one of our neighbors, who was an elderly lady, or is an elderly lady. And just by strange coincidence, she tripped on the curb standing quite close to me and by God's grace I was able to feel like a superhero in a way but I was able just to kind of get in the right place at the right time to catch her and she was grateful and she said old age it isn't much fun you know and I said yes but it will end it will end you know what she said thank goodness That's a doorway, but it isn't the right doorway, is it? What a terrifying thing to say. Thank goodness it will end. Through the door, the Lord allows the sheep to come in and out and live freely. It doesn't mean in and out of salvation. That means rest and peace in everything you need. Abundant life. There's one shepherd. Did you hear his voice? Have you heard his voice? Have you heard it today as we've been going through this? Is the Lord calling you? Maybe he's just calling you to come back. Maybe as a sheep you've wandered away from him for a while. Indulged in sin. Struggled in your faith. Maybe you've never come. If you haven't heard his voice, just in the few minutes that are left to us, I just want to appeal to you to permit me by God's grace to give you that voice again. You see, the door brings peace because of the cross. Because the cross brings peace between you and God. And you say, well, how does it do that? I don't quite understand that. Well, you know the gospel. You know the story of the cross. This is why Jesus came. This is what it's all about. Jesus dies for your sin. The good shepherd gives up his life for the sheep. Instead of the penalty that's due to us as bad sheep, as errant sheep, who didn't by nature follow the good shepherd, God the Father judges his son in our place. That's what really makes him good. 
the gospel. You're going to come through the door. You're going to stand outside. How does it work? Well, we often read Hebrews 13 in that very last section, which is a benediction. We often read that at the end of our services. It says there that the God of peace brought again from the dead. It's a resurrection. Brought again from the dead, the Lord Jesus. Listen, the great shepherd of the sheep. Well, how did he do it? He did it by the blood of the eternal covenant. That's the cross. The power of the cross. We learn about that in Ephesians again. It's the power to raise from the dead that gives us the real hope. That's Jesus. That's the door. The question is, do you believe it? Do you trust it? Do you trust him? Do you have that relationship? Have you heard the voice? Are you in, as it were, communion with him? That's why we take communion to remind ourselves of what he has done and that we are in union with him because of it because we trust him so if you haven't done that and i don't know <laughs> i don't really know if you haven't then come recognize the good shepherd died for you recognize that you are sinful and deserve wrath and judgment that's what that lady yesterday didn't know that's what she didn't get about death but in Christ you've been forgiven. And just ask for forgiveness. Lord, have mercy on me. Forgive me. I want to know you. I want to come through the door. I want you to be my good shepherd. Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you do that? And if you have already come to that door, if you do know the good shepherd, if you've heard his voice, if you've received access to that peace, How's your life going? How's it going? Life's hard, isn't it? Anyone here not think life's hard? Raise your hand. Life's hard. Now, when you become a Christian, things don't just suddenly go well. The picture that the Lord's painting is one of eternal life, where things will go well. Ultimately, God works all these things out for our good and his glory. In the meantime, we do walk through valleys of shadows of death. We do fear evil. Things are hard. Yesterday, the chance to speak to Heidi about Tom, her dear husband. And some of you may not know, but Tom's husband was taken into glory uh, through cancer some years ago. He became a believer, and it was just a, a, a magical time, if I can say it that way. And I asked Heidi, what does she miss about Tom you know, today in his absence? What does she miss about him? You know what she said? And she's given me permission. She's sitting right here. And she said, just having him around the house, just having him being there. And then she said this, having those special times to talk to each other, at the special moments in our life. And some of those special moments that questioning will have been tough things, hard things, difficult things. Some of them are doing just good things. But the idea there is relationship, talking, sharing, listening, living. Well, that's what Christ wants of us. 
to be in that communion with him. His Holy Spirit dwells within us. Are we going to commune with him? Are we going to ignore him and fight against him? Are we going to speak to him? Are we going to listen to his voice? Do we pray? As we said before elsewhere, that the prayers that really matter are the ones that we have on our own with God. It's easy to stand in a, in a group of other people and sound good as a prayer. But God knows what's really in our hearts. And when we're on our own in the quiet closet of our lives, praying to God, then it's different. Then it has to be sincere and real. And that's hard. And we find praying easy. That kind of prayer, it's hard, isn't it? Are we praying? Are we talking to our Lord? Are we talking? Are we hearing his voice? His voice comes through the word. We're hearing his voice. We're hearing the gospel. Are we being called back again and again to repent, to confess, to try to live a better life worthy of the glory by which we've been called, of the gospel? I don't know necessarily what's in your life. I know that some of us are sick in different ways. Some of us chronically sick. Some of us have anxiety and some of us have depression, if we're honest. There is loneliness, there is sorrow, there are senses of guilt and shame. We are isolated often in this current age, especially. There are family pressures, there are conflicts at work. Life is hard. And I just want to have close by encouraging you, sheep, fellow sheep, listen to him. Listen to him. Hear him every single day. He is your shepherd. He is the good shepherd. He wants to hear from you. He made you. He laid down his life for you. Listen to him. Pray to him. Hear his voice. As we close, I just want to, if you'll just permit me very quickly, just to give you six sweet verses from Scripture. I'll read them a bit differently. Jesus is the door. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. Just bow your heads for a moment as we go into prayer to close. Close your eyes, if you will. Just as a sheep, receive this voice from God. The Lord is your shepherd. You shan't want. He makes you to lie down in green pastures. He leads you beside still waters. He restores your soul and he leads you in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. You will say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For God, your shepherd, your good shepherd is with you. 
his rod and his staff, they will comfort you. And you will say, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. And my cup overflows. I came to bring life and life abundantly. You will say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of our Lord forever. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you so much that your word expresses more and more of who you are. Lord, I pray that this morning as sheep that have been called, um, that we would see, would have seen something more of you, that we would have seen how your son is a good shepherd, the good shepherd, how he is the door. And Lord, that we would walk freely knowing that we do have peace with you because of the cross, that the good shepherd has laid down his life for the sheep and that we would get about our business and praise you in the midst of our suffering, Lord, would you give us a spirit in Christ to persevere, to endure, to run the race that's set before us. Lord, would you cause us to fix our eyes on the good shepherd and run well. We pray these things in Jesus. Amen.